Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's I'm ready this Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Today's subscriber-only episode's gonna be a little different. I have the topic I was originally gonna cover, but after finishing Eagle Eyes on Tech, there was actually more stories that ended up having to hit the chopping block than uh, normal. So I actually took all of those stories. We're just gonna quit very quickly, cover them, then actually get to the main topic, which is gonna be covering NFTs. So first off, a Virginia company has connected mobile phones directly to satellites. This is gonna be the next evolution in cell phones. Basically having consumer grade satellite phones. There was already some rumors going around that the next generation iPhone in fact, some people tried to speculate that the current generation that just came out was going to be among them. Uh, spoiler alert, it was not. I know. I'm stunned. Apple didn't jump on board a technology that's not flushed out yet. What are the odds? Oh, wait, 100%. But the point is, is that this Virginia company, the, the space startup called... Link, L-Y-N-K, specifically the Shannon satellite was just launched into space in June on SpaceX's Transporter 2 flight. The whole point of this is to try and create a, basically a solar powered cell satellite in space. So we'll find out down the road, will this happen? But I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the next big thing. It's going to be satellite internet, because no matter how many cell towers we put out, and I can attest to this using one of the best networks in my area. They have the widest coverage in my area, but there's still just like some random spots. It's just like, nah, there's nothing. Lol. Oh, you want to be here? Nah, there's nothing even though it says you have five bars and you get nothing. Nada. Zip zero, nothing. LOL. What you gonna do? Nothing. You can't even get a cell signal at sometimes. It's kind of weird that we've gone this long with cell phone technology and we still just randomly have dead spots. Despite the fact that more and more and more our cell phone towers get wider and wider coverage but especially in like the Rocky Mountains here in the US, it is a big problem getting cell coverage. And you may not think, oh, there's very few people out there, whatever, it, does, it doesn't matter a whole lot. You tell that to the truckers, you tell that to the nomads, you tell that to the people who live out there, who live on the oil rigs and whatnot that are out in the Rocky Mountains that are doing the fracking and whatnot that the coverage doesn't matter. Because it does. Shifting gears radically, the Valve Steam Deck APU apparently is also rumored to be used in a standalone VR headset. Assuming that AMD is willing to put this SOC in other devices, it doesn't surprise me at all. 
would it surprise me at all if Valve's next venture into VR would be a standalone headset with this APU? It would not surprise me at all. I would actually kind of welcome the idea, assuming that it's not a giant bulky sort of thing that you have to have a lithium ion backpack and then end up looking like a cyborg to go with it. I think it could be a good concept. I think it could be a good device. But here's the thing. If this is going to be used in other VR devices or just any other devices at all that this custom SOC can make it into other devices, this could be very, very interesting. And you already think that Intel's looking really bad right now. Just wait until you have a Ryzen powered CPU along with a GPU that can go ahead and easily do seven twenty thirty FPS and still maintain excellent battery life. Oh, but it's only seven twenty thirty. Who cares? They want my four K Switch Pro. First off, you're not getting your four K Switch Pro. Get, deal with it. Second you let's be honest if you want your 1080 60 or your 1440 60 or your 1440 120 or 144 i'm willing to bet you want the battery life more would you rather have 30 minutes of 1440p at 60 or Eight hours at 720, 30 FPS. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. The high-end performance laptops, the high-end performance desktops, the non-mobile game consoles. That is where you want the high-powered consoles. But in the end, the average person who just wants to game on the go, 720p at 30, more than enough. Now, that being said, I am curious, will this APU be spiked up a little bit more in performance? Just because 720-30 is good and all, but you want higher frame rate, and more importantly, you want consistent frame rates in VR. That is the key in VR. Because the moment you get a little bit of chugging, that is when you start getting nauseous. When what you see does not match how you're moving. Shifting gears radically with no good way to do it. Digit says they have an exclusive report saying they found Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra renders that have a S Pen and quad camera brake cover. How is that different from the current S21? Honestly, the way it actually is different is the fact that the S Pen section is built into the phone as though it were a note. Which then actually raises the question, 
Is the note dead? We did, in fact, recently have a Samsung event announcing a new watch, announcing new earbuds, announcing a new tablet. The note was missing. Is the note the original pro phone? The massive screened production machine is it officially dead we've been kind of seeing more and more the galaxy s line being the mainstream phone kind of start creeping into having an ultra version this pro version kind of creep closer and closer to just being the note is the note gone you know what it looks like it very well might be Google Stadia on your TV will now let you use your phone as a gamepad because nothing says Google Stadia and its ineffective methods quite like using the worst style of controller ever. Oh, no. You want to know why people put, put up with having touch controls on their phone? Because they have no choice. That is the most convenient option when on the go to use the on-screen controls on the phone. Guess what? No one likes them. It's why gaming phones try to find ways around that. That's why they try to add capacitive shoulder buttons. That's why they try to add snap-on physical controls on the side of the phones. So what the heck makes you think I want to go ahead and use the worst controllers, period? Bar none, and also lose the benefit of mobile gaming. The only benefit of mobile gaming. Oh, Stadia, you continue to baffle me more than Twitch's desire to shoot themselves in the foot. Oh. How about some good news? How about some good phone news? Well, the Fairphone 4 is coming to the UK, unfortunately. I, I want it here in the States, but I digress. And it, it comes, the Fairphone 4 is coming with a five-year warranty and aims for six years of updates. Now, the phone itself is not water-resistant. It has no official water resistance at all but but you know what it does have the ability to take it apart and replace the components the whole thing is basically one two three it's basically the back cover the battery the top board the bottom board the USB-C port that plugs into the bottom board the ear speaker, the selfie camera, the core module that I'm assuming actually has the motherboard in built into it, as well as the, the main structure of the frame, and then the display, all of which assembled with standard screws. Oh yes, and it's constructed with 100% recycled plastic if you care about that sort of thing. 
Now, there's only a couple of downsides with this. One, of course, being that the um, it's only available in the UK. Second, despite the fact that it is a fairly quality-wise a cheaper phone, being a mostly plastic phone, not really a whole lot of uh, metal structure in it, which isn't a bad thing, mind you. It just means that you need to be a little bit more careful. You might want to find some kind of case for it. Hopefully they make one. But also at the same time, since you can repair it, as long as you're confident with a screwdriver, a very tiny screwdriver, I might add, you'd be able to do it. No problem. The other downside, though, is that this phone costs a uh, surprising 671 US dollars, which I don't know why it's 671 US dollars, because in fact, it's only going to be available in Europe. For those that actually use European currency, it is 579 euros, but there is also an up upgraded version for 649 euros. Now, one thing I am not noticing as I look at this phone, and I'm a little disappointed to see, to see it missing on this. We have a micro SD slot. We have dual SIMs, one physical, one physical nano SIM, as well as an eSIM. All right, that's fine. Power button, side fingerprint reader, Android 11. Fast charging that can take it from zero to 50% in 30 minutes. That's actually not that fast, but you know, that's, it is what it is. Uh, just shy of 4,000 milliamp battery, eight gigabytes of RAM, 256 gigs of storage. I am not seeing a headphone jack and sure enough, there isn't a headphone jack. That I don't get. Why? Why is the headphone jack missing on the Fairphone? You have the space. There's no reason not to. But it is what it is. Corsair has also, well, not also, but Corsair has launched a their first gaming monitor. It's called the Xenios or Xenion. The Xenion 32QHD. And it is a very interesting looking standard monitor. It is a, ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da, I want to say a 1440p screen, 32 inch screen, 165 hertz refresh rate. I am not seeing the resolution on this screen, I would assume 1440p. It would be very, very bizarre for a screen this size to be only 1080p. And also it costs $800. The other thing to talk about with this thing though is the integration. It does integrate with Corsair's IQ, that's C-U-E 
software so that you can in fact choose when games are launched to switch the color gambit modes as well as an enable as as well as disable certain things that would lower the refresh rate and and that sort of thing and also since it's integrated that it could also be controlled through an elgato steam god dang it stream deck It is also very, very color accurate. 100% of the Adobe RGB spectrum and 100% of the sRGB color space and 98% of the DCI-P3 gambit. I still do not understand why the heck I cannot find the resolution in this article. What the heck, Guru? This is actually starting to drive me a little nuts. One other thing they also included, and I saw this in a video, it's actually not mount, it's actually not mentioned in here. But the actual um the actual mount for it, it is a 1440p screen. I had to go to Corsair's website to find that. Sheesh. The other interesting thing about this screen is that the actual stand for it, which by the way looks beefy AF, the top of it can unscrew. And there is a mount for Elgato's arm system. So you can get a little built-in mounting arm point and then mount a little webcam or an or a or a DSLR actually off the monitor instead of having a desk clamp one. That actually could be a very attractive point for some streamers. It's an interesting concept. I'll give them that. Nreal, quite possibly the worst sounding thing I've ever heard. Nreal Air has created a new set of smart glasses that apparently pack AR tech for watching movies and gaming. Oh no. This is going to be the new buzzword, isn't it? AR. It's the new thing. AR. It's everywhere. AR for gaming. Gaming gamers that are gaming. For <laughs> just, just, why? Why? Oh. Apparently the, the concept, I don't know what the concept is. Appar so here's what they're saying. Consumers today are seeking lighter but longer lasting AR glasses. Let me interject. No, they're not. Stop lying. No one's looking for AR glasses. <laughs> no one. Not a soul. Their statement continues. Longer, but longer lasting AR glass exclusively for media streaming and working from home. For instance, in Korea, we found that 70% of our users use Nereal Light to watch streaming content. Nereal Air builds on our Nereal Light offering, offering and furthers our mission to spread AR globally with Nereal Air. We've zeroed in on peaks of portable movie theater and condensed this into lightweight AR sunglasses with a zero footprint display while making it affordable. 
It's first going to launch in South Korea, Japan, and China. And before China restricts their existence in just in December, followed by a larger rollout in other markets next year. The price has not been revealed yet and will, the company says, be established by local carrier partners. 600 bucks. That is my prediction. I'm thinking roughly like $200 smartphone specs inside it. And then a 200% markup off that. Just cause it's, you know, smart glasses. Actually, it's probably even higher. I actually don't know how much a transparent OLED screen actually costs. And that actually could be a big, th big factor in all this. Hey, you remember last week how Facebook was, uh, Talking about how they're fine, everything's fine. You should totally take their word on everything's fine for realsies. Please stop looking into them. Pretty please. Okay, thanks. Bye. It turns out lawmakers aren't buying it. And in fact, a Facebook whistleblower is testifying at a separate hearing next week. As Facebook officials are being grilled by members of Congress about the company's policies, and in fact, one of which they were being called out specifically on Instagram being used by minors, its effect on minors, and also the fact that Facebook was looking into making a version of Instagram specifically for minors. And then just asking, don't you, don't you, you think that's a little weird? You think that might be a little bit of a problem? Yeah. But hey, if you want some good news out of Facebook, here's some. The discontinued Oculus Go will be able to get new life as an unlocked headset. So the biggest problem Oculus has is that it's in a locked ecosystem. This is why I consider Oculus dead to the world. Because it can only go in the, in the Oculus ecosystem. And that ecosystem is now controlled by Facebook. And you need to have Facebook in order to use it. And you will have ads served to you based on your Facebook account. But you know what? The new Oculus Go, rather than just being a discontinued piece of hot garbage, you can now get it unlocked. And then just use it as a normal headset. In fact, it might accidentally be the best version of the Oculus yet. Asus briefly showed off a version of the RTX 3070 that uh, basically looked exactly like we expected. This is the rumored collaboration between Asus and Noctua. And I mean, if you know how Noctua looks, there's a lot of tan, there's a lot of browns, and it's a very basic looking fan, but, but they are very powerful. They are very quiet and the heat stack or the fin stack that goes with the fan have always been excellent. Noctua knows what they're doing when it comes to air cooling. A lot of Noctua air coolers can actually beat out the performance of a lot of all-in-one liquid 
coolers. That's the kind of efficiency you get out of Noctua. So Asus making a graphic card cooled by Noctua fans with a Noctua design cooler, great news. But there's two problems. One, the cooler is so beefy, so tall, so fat, that it is that it is double the thickness of a normal GPU. But all GPUs are double stacked. What's the big? No, 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 no. I didn't say it took up two slots. I said it's double the thickness of a normal GPU. Normal GPUs now are two slots. This sucker takes up four. The two that it actually shows. And then the cooler extends to cover the next two slots under it. And it looks very, very brown in Noctua. It's not, it ain't going to be a flashy RGB sort of cooler. But I'll tell you what, that sucker is probably going to run quiet. And it's going to run cool. I can almost guarantee you that. And then finally, a little story that unf that I wish made it into the main early bird briefing as the last burb. But unfortunately, I didn't find it until after I was done with the prep. You can now buy a keyboard that all it has is the control key the C key and the V key. That's right. It's a keyboard that has three buttons and it's just to copy and paste. This was originally started as an April Fool's joke, but enough people memed this into existence. You can pre-order this on Drop's website for $29 and it'll be available on December 13th. I actually want to know, does December 13th fall on a Friday? It does not. But that would have been funny. Almost as funny as just having a keyword that is just the control key, the C key, and the V key. Woo! What a great time. We're going to take our break here when we come back. We're going to get to the beat. We're going to get to the meaty topic. NFTs and the absurdity that they're going to now. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. First, I want to share a little bit of information as to one of the men basically responsible for a lot of the problems we have right now, whether he realizes it or not. And don't get me wrong. The man had good intentions. Still does, in fact. But what's fascinating is how this man got started. We are talking about Vitalik. Buterin, a man from Switzerland that I have most likely mispronounced his name, to which I apologize. 
but this is strictly from his about me and confirmed with other sources. He was born in 1994 in Russia and then moved to Canada in 2000 where he went to school. Wait, why does it say he's in Switzerland then? Whatever. Went to school in the year 2000 in Canada and then happily played World of Warcraft from 2007 to 2010. But then one day, Blizzard removed the damage component from the, from the Warlock spell Siphon Life. Now, I got out of WoW and stopped playing Warlock long before this nerf came. But I remember seeing it and it was just kind of just like, why? Siphon Life was a spell that drained, a it was basically just what's referred to as a damage over time. It deals a little bit of damage over 30 seconds. And every time it drains off life, it restores the Warlock life. I want to say now after casting it, all it does is just restore you health. Why they did this change, I don't know. If you tried to get me to answer why does WoW do a lot of the stupid decisions they make, I got bad news for you. I don't know why they're this dumb, but I digress. Back to the biography, TM. One day, Blizzard removed the damage component from my beloved warlock spell, Siphon Life. I cried myself to sleep, and on that day, I realized what horrors centralized services can bring. I soon decided to quit. In 2011, searching for a new purpose in life, I discovered Bitcoin. At first I was skeptical and did not understand how it could be possible, how it could possibly have value without physical backing. But slowly I began, I became more and more interested. I started writing for a blog called Bitcoin Weekly, initially at a meek wage of $1.50 an hour. I don't know how they could have gotten away with a buck 50 an hour. But I guess this was in Canada, right? I, I don't know what the labor laws in are in Canada. I know here in the US, there's no way you could get away with that. No. And if someone somehow did get away with that, they wouldn't for very long. And soon with and soon with Michal Alize co-founded Bitcoin Magazine. In 2012, I entered, this would be him by the way, I entered the University of Waterloo. In 2013, I realized that crypto projects were taking up 30, 30 hours a week of my time, so I dropped out and went around the world, explored many crypto projects, and finally realized that they're all too concerned about specific applications and not being sufficiently general. Hence the birth of Ethereum, which has been taking up my life ever since. The guy founded Ethereum. 
because World of Warcraft nerfed a spell. And that's why we don't have GPUs. But the thing is that also the birth of Ethereum and the proof that more than just Bitcoin could be a viable cryptocurrency also gave way to NFTs. And I've talked about NFTs a bit on Eagle Eyes on Tech and said that it's only a matter of time until fraud starts existing. Well, guess what? Fraud has started existing. From APR Creations, creating the feline NFT, literally is selling stolen art with minor alterations to them. Stolen from a man that goes by the Twitter handle Marco Bernard Art on Twitter. And they just took some of his art and just started putting suits on them, throwing laser eyes on them, and are trying to sell them for, well, they're just putting up for auction and seeing how high they go. Opening bid. Looking to be roughly about um Actually it's quite a lot. One six hundredth of an Ethereum. Which if I go ahead and bring up a calculator. And we'll just go with the rough estimate that one Ethereum is two thousand, which it's not, it's higher than that. And then times it by point oh six we get a hundred and twenty dollars yeah 120 bucks for stolen art oh but it gets better another outfit called canine nft went ahead and at least these guys as far as i can tell at least created a generic character generator like you'd see on pix crew but after creating this character generator just use the character generator to pump out tons upon tons of these i'm not gonna lie um not very good looking uh, pieces of art, but again, they're all just like a base model and then just changing things like flipping a dial to just change the, the, the fur color or change the top or put bunny ears, a bunny ear band or having it smoking a cigarette or holding a, a glass of wine. It looks like a very, very bad avatar creator in fact honestly the ones from pick crew which i've used on occasion actually look better but you know what the best part is these jerks have the audacity to try and sell these for between 
52 Ethereum and 69.69 Ethereum. That's disgusting. In fact, let me actually bring up my app to see what Ethereum is going for right now. Ethereum right now is going for, wow, I was off. 3,356 and 62 USD is the price at recording of this. So if we take that number, And multiply that by the, what's the lowest one we got? We got 52. Let's multiply it by 52. They're asking for 174,425 USD for the NFT of one, uh, uh, for what essentially amounts to the end result of a random character generator that they invested maybe a couple hundred dollars into making. But these same people also went ahead and then auctioned off, partnered with Lindsay Lohan, who obviously got a cut on it, a custom canine NFT of Lindsay Lohan. That one they probably actually did commission from an artist and then auctioned that off. That sold for 1.3 Ethereum. So now it's actually someone did pay, which ends up being roughly at the time of done was 4.4 thousand dollars you know what i do love about these swindlers they have openly said these are not furry nfts even though it is clearly furry art very bad furry art i might add Now onto the side of decent NFTs. Neopets is selling NFTs now. But I wanna go back to a previous point. One of the biggest arguments I hear from crypto believers, the people who are all in on crypto, who believe that cryptocurrency is the way of the future, government-based currency is going to die off, and NFTs empower artists. Let me ask you something. How is this empowering anyone other than fraud artists and scammers? What did I say from the get-go when it came to NFTs? There is nothing checking anything. Anyone could just make an NFT and sell it, just like anyone can make a cryptocurrency, claim it has value, but at least in the case of that, the only thing stopping you is the fact that people have to then believe the BS that your cryptocurrency that you've made is worth something. 
It's the only thing keeping Dogecoin in check. Literally everyone else. What is stopping places like Canine Cartel NFT from saying, hey, we are a legitimate artist organization? Not really. You're trying to sell really bad, randomly generated dog art. It's not even created. And the best part is, is that they sell it. They show it off with just light edits side by side by side of every other character. Or in the case of feline NFTs, just blatantly stealing from another artist. Just straight up theft. Who's keeping feline NFT from peddling their stolen goods? No one. Other than people like me who are willing to go ahead and do the digging. And then also when presented with a story like this, do the investigation of their own to confirm that what they are told is correct. And then call them out for it. I said from the get-go, NFTs are just, is a ripe area for fraud. And again, I've used this example again and again and again. There is literally nothing stopping me other than the fact that I'm not a monster from going onto a Discord of artist friends I know, taking their art and posting it as an NFT and making a, and making a killing. Nothing stopping me other than the fact that I'm not a horrible person. But no, please, tell me again how NFTs empower the artist, despite the fact that thieves make out much, much better than the artist ever will. Folks, that's going to do it for this bonus episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. If you are looking for statistics, there really isn't much new to report. I've actually been working personally, uh, basically three positions at once. And it's been driving me absolutely nuts. So I haven't been able to do a whole lot of updating for the podcast. But rest assured, as soon as I have free time again, which I don't know if that's going to be this week or not. I'm kind of hoping it will. But I digress. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening, and thank you for subscribing.